G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Now I want to put two words together that don't fit. Almost Christian. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us make sure our faith is sincere, our faith is genuine, and we're not holding back in our relationship with the Lord. You can't be an almost Christian. Now, you may be on your way to becoming a Christian, but either you are a Christian or you are not a Christian. But you can't be an almost Christian. That's an oxymoron, almost Christian. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Ever drive away from home and had that feeling in your gut that you might have left the stove on or forgot to lock a door? or you left a curling iron plugged in. If you don't go back and check, you start to think of how things could go horribly wrong. We want to be sure about certain things, don't we? Well, today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us check ourselves when it comes to the sincerity of our faith in Christ. When it comes to matters of eternity, close enough isn't close enough. Well, let's grab our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 26. The title of my message is The Almost Christian. The Almost Christian. Almost. That's an interesting word, isn't it? It's a word that means slightly, short of, not quite, close, nearly. It's often associated with delaying something. Uh, Dinner is almost ready or Jenny almost fainted. That's how we'll often use it. Sometimes it's because of confusion. So you walk into a restaurant, you take your seat, and the server comes and gives you a menu, and then they ask, do you know what you want to order? Well, it all depends. If I'm at Cheesecake Factory, I am literally overwhelmed. I Googled this because I wanted to confirm it. The menu at the Cheesecake Factory has 21 pages of 250 items. Do you know what you want? No, I'm overwhelmed. That's why I like In-N-Out Burger. It's like burger, (laughs) burger with fries, mall. Chick-fil-A, similar, chicken sandwich, chicken nuggets, maybe a mall, actually a chicken-flavored mall. No, not really, but (laughs) simplicity. So you'll say, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm almost ready to order. Or maybe you're a husband and you're going out to dinner and you call upstairs to your bedroom and you ask your wife, are you ready? And she says, almost. You know what that means, right? One hour more. Okay, one. <laughs> or you're, you get a call from your boss. Says, we're having a meeting. Where are you? Oh, I'm almost there. Which really means you just woke me up out of a dead sleep. And almost, it's a word we use a lot. It's a word that is associated with procrastinating. Now I want to put two words together that don't fit. Almost Christian. 
You can't be an almost Christian. Now, you may be on your way to becoming a Christian. You may be closer to believing than you've ever been in any other time in your life, but either you are a Christian or you are not a Christian. But you can't be an almost Christian. That's an oxymoron, almost Christian. An oxymoron is, well, jumbo shrimp. That's an oxymoron. What is it, jumbo or shrimp? Or freezer burn. How do you get burn from a freezer? Or uh, government efficiency. That's an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Airline food, another oxymoron. Is it really food? I'm not quite sure. So we are introduced in this story to what we could describe as an almost Christian. His name was Herod Agrippa. And he was listening to the Apostle Paul and he says in Acts 26, verse 28, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Another translation of that is, are you actually trying to talk me into becoming a Christian in such a short time? <laughs> and the answer was, absolutely. That was Paul's hope that this Herod would come to faith. So Herod was close, but not close enough. I suggest to you there are a lot of almost Christians in our nation today. In fact, I would say there are more almost Christians than non-believers because when surveys are done, there's always a very high amount of people that profess to believe in God. A recent survey found that 87% of Americans believe in God. Some we hear of the rise of atheism. Yeah, there are atheists, but most people out there believe there is a God. Three quarters of Americans believe in miracles. 73% believe in heaven. 71% of Americans believe Jesus is the Son of God. 71% of us believe uh, in angels. Seven out of 10 of Americans say Jesus rose from the dead and they believe that the Bible is the Word of God. So I'm thinking, what? Where are these people? I'm sure not seeing them. But then a recent Barna poll revealed the following, quote, half of Americans who call themselves Christians don't believe Satan exists and one third are confident Jesus sinned while on earth. Okay, now Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> so we have a lot of people saying they believe in God. They say they believe in the Bible. They believe in angels, but yet they're saying they don't think there's a devil and they think Jesus sinned when he was on earth, which is not true, of course, because he was a sinless son of God. Then 25% of others who claim to be Christians dismiss the idea that the Bible is accurate and all that it teaches. So clearly there's a lot of confusion here. Look, our faith uh, that we have in Christ is a package deal. God offers it to you. Here it is. Uh, this is not something we're gonna vote on. This is your opportunity to believe or reject it, but you don't pick and choose what you like. This is not a la carte Christianity, but it is for some people. And these are what I would call almost Christians. This is why Paul poses this challenge to those who claim to believe in 2 Corinthians 13.5. He says, check up on yourselves. Are you really Christians? Do you pass the test? Or are you just pretending to be Christians when you actually are not at all? Hmm, powerful question. Reminds me of a story of a guy that needed work. He heard they were hiring down at the local zoo. And uh, so he went and applied and said, I I'd like to get a job here. They said, sorry, sir, all the positions are filled. 
But then the person looking at this man said, you know, you're a pretty big dude. A lot of muscle there. I'm gonna say something. I hope you're not offended. But our gorilla died the other day. And we ordered a new one. And he's on his way. But I was wondering if we made you a custom gorilla suit. Would you be willing to wear it and pretend to be a gorilla for a few days? We'll pay you really well. And then when the new gorilla comes, you're, you're good, that's all. And the guy said, oh, no. oh, okay. So they made him his custom gorilla suit. He put it on. He went to the gorilla area and he felt really self-conscious. No one's gonna believe it. And so he walked around a little bit, pounded his chest a couple times. The crowd started to form. By day two, he's getting excited. He, he's enjoying it. He's swinging on the vines. Everyone's believing he's a real gorilla. He gets a little excited and swings too far and lands right in the middle of the lion's cage. <laughs> now the lion is approaching him quickly and the guy in the gorilla suit is, doesn't know what to do. If he yells out help, people will know he was a fraud. Finally, he, he just yells, help! And the lion says, shut up, stupid, or you'll get us both fired. <laughs> So he was pretending to be something he was not. (laughs) And there are people today that are pretending to be Christians when they are not Christians. Again, check up on yourself, 2 Corinthians 13. Are you really Christians? Do you pass the test? Or are you just pretending to be Christians when you actually aren't at all? You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. Today, Pastor Greg is presenting a fascinating message called The Almost Christian. It's a good warning for those masquerading in their faith. Let's continue. Let me say something that might surprise you. It is possible for you to pray, keep the Ten Commandments to the best of your ability, attend church on a regular basis, be baptized, and not necessarily be a Christian. Now, if you're a Christian, you should do all these things. But you can do all these things and not necessarily be a Christian. The outward can be without the inward, but the inward can never be without the outward. Does that make sense? The outward, those things that we do, can be without the inward, but the inward, if you're really a believer, will never be without the outward. Jesus said, by their fruit you shall know them. For instance, a person can pray and not necessarily be a Christian, Polls show that nine out of 10 Americans pray. The reality is when, when you're in trouble, most people pray, right? I know I did before I was a Christian. Well, if I was in a crisis, I called out to God. I even called out to Jesus. I had no relationship with him. But that doesn't mean you're a Christian. That just means you're calling out to God. Because in the story of the book of Jonah, a great storm came and all of the sailors called out to their various gods, right? They all had their gods and people will call on God in the day of trouble. But when the crisis passed, do you still call out to God? Listen, you can say your prayers and never pray. You know, we teach people their prayers. Say your prayers, Learn these prayers. When you're in trouble, pray these prayers. We teach our children prayers. Say your prayers before you go to sleep. Remember your prayers, we say. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Is that a good prayer to teach a child, really? (laughs) I think you might be traumatizing that little one. (laughs) 
What are you really saying? You know, you might die tonight in your sleep, but uh, just pray, God, take your soul. <laughs> so good night, sleep tight, and don't let the bed bugs bite. Bed, what, bed bugs? <laughs> no, instead of teaching a child a prayer, teach them how to pray. And God says in the book of Isaiah 59, the arm of the Lord isn't too short to save. His ear's not too dull to hear. Your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden His face from you, so He will not hear. So if you're living in overt sin, don't expect your prayers to be answered. The psalmist says in Psalm 66, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Listen to this, if you're living in overt sin with no desire to repent, you are not a Christian. If you are living in overt sin with no desire to repent, you're not a Christian. Now you're saying, well, Greg, you're wrong on that. Everyone struggles. I, I didn't say if you're struggling with sin. Overt means you're living this way. You're not gonna change the way you're living. You have no intention of repenting. Don't tell me you're a Christian. Are you a Christian? Do you pass the test? Or are you pretending to be a Christian when you really aren't at all? Hey man, judge not lest you be judged. Okay, hold on. I am judging you. Because the Bible says judgment begins at the house of God. And if we don't see any spiritual fruit in your life, why should I believe that you're necessarily a Christian? Listen, a person can make visible change in their life and not necessarily be a Christian. In the book of Acts, remember we read about Simon the sorcerer, and apparently he became a believer. He was baptized. Everything looked pretty good. But then he tried to buy the gift of God that he saw uh, being utilized at the hand of Simon Peter. And Peter said, your heart is not right from God. Turn from this wickedness. And I think that this Simon guy, he was a magician. He was deceiving people. Uh, he was going out of business when Peter showed up and the gospel was preached. And so he sort of adapted. He, he wanted to get whatever it is they were doing so he could stay in business and keep misleading people. This happens all the time. Uh, people become a Christian, I'll put that in quotes, when they need something. Politicians, oh yes. They come calling, they come knocking. Yes, I uh, would like to come and address your church. I, I too am a believer, really. I've never seen any evidence of that before, but, you know, because they want to get that evangelical vote. Sometimes a person, their career may be fading. Well, it's time to record a gospel record. It's okay, record a gospel record. But are you doing that because you believe it or you just want to boost your career? You see, you can do these things and not be a Christian. I mean, think of Judas Iscariot. He, he spent three years hanging out with Jesus. He saw Jesus walk on the water. He saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. He, with his own ears, heard the Sermon on the Mount. He knew Jesus was perfect and flawless, yet he betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. He was so close, yet so far. Yes, you can appear to be a believer and not be a believer. So coming back to our story, Herod Agrippa, the king, one of the Herods, is coming to town. It's a big deal. And his sister, Bernice, they arrive with all the pomp and circumstance that surrounds a visiting dignitary. He, uh, Herod would have been arrayed in a royal 
scarlet robe and uh, there were Roman soldiers around them and they're dressed uniforms and, and every eye is on them as they take their royal seats. And Paul's standing there thinking, well, look who just walked into my net. He wasn't intimidated by the power, the authority, or anything else about these two people. He saw them as people to reach with the gospel. And really as we read now what Paul says, we learn how to share our faith with non-believers. Acts 26 verse one, Agrippa said to Paul, you may now speak in your defense. And Paul with the gesture of his hand started his defense. I'm very fortunate, King Agrippa, that you are the one hearing my defense against all these accusations made by the Jewish leaders. For I know you're an expert on Jewish customs and controversies. Now listen to me personally. Okay, now drop down to verse nine. I want to point out something before we read this. This is Paul's testimony. It's a powerful story. Hard to top, quite frankly. He often began his messages with his testimony. And everybody has a testimony. You have a testimony, I have a testimony. And one testimony is not more valid than another because it's more drastic or radical or whatever. Here's all of our testimonies in a nutshell. Once we were blind, but now we see. Right? Jesus Christ has changed our lives. But Paul's story was pretty unique. So he shares it now, Acts 26, verse nine. Speaking to Herod Agrippa, I used to believe I had to do everything I could to oppose the followers of Jesus of Nazareth. Authorized by the leading priests, I caused many of the believers in Jerusalem to be sent to prison. I cast my vote against them and they were condemned to death. Many times I had them whipped in the synagogue to get them to curse Christ. It shows how hard Saul then called was. He would whip people to get them to deny their faith and curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them, Paul says, I hounded them in distant cities of foreign lands. So one day, I'm on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priest. About noon, your majesty, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to fight against my will. I said, who are you, sir? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. He loved to tell the story because it built a bridge. Here's the great thing about your story. Uh, it's a great way to preach to a person without preaching at a person. Does that make sense? In other words, as I tell my story, as I heard a guy say, Jesus said, you're for me or against me. So instead of me starting with a sermon, I start with my story, but in effect, I am kind of preaching to them. So it's showing them I wasn't always the way I am now. Christ has changed me. That's the place to begin. Good instruction and great insight from Pastor Greg Laurie today. We hope you can join us next time as Pastor Greg continues this message called The Almost Christian. So getting ready for more important words of warning right here on A New Beginning. This is the day, the day when life begins. 
Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called The Almost Christian. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.